0: Again, thank you for making time to join us on this uh, wonderful day and for this great event. I would ask you in uh, helping me welcome our television and webcast viewers. And again, my name is Danny Asaf and have the pleasure of serving as the President of the Canadian Club of Toronto and the honour of being your host here this afternoon. Thank you again and a very, very warm welcome uh, to you all. For over 119 years, the Canadian Club has been very proud of providing Canadians with this closely guarded, non-partisan venue for the open exchange of ideas and also to celebrate the important things in our country. Through our events and our programs, including our youth and young leaders' programs, our diversity partnerships, our joint events, and our media and social media opportunities, we offer you access to many dynamic political, business, and social and sporting figures from both home and abroad. And before I uh, formally launch our uh, program today, uh, I just wanted to take a small indulgence to tell you about a couple more of our exciting events that are coming up. On April 22nd, we will be hosting an A-list of tech leaders who will provide advice on how to thrive in a booming tech market called Raising a Billion-Dollar Baby. And on May 12th, uh, we will be joined by Patrick Brown, uh, the leader of the official opposition PC party of Canada. And if you're interested in attending or learning more about our events, please please feel free to visit us at CanadianClub.org. And you can also join the conversation via Twitter at CDNCLBTO. I would also like to take an opportunity to thank our event sponsor today, Labatt Breweries, and thank you very much for your generous support of the club. (laughs) And I would also like to take a minute to recognize a group of Civic Action Diversity Fellows sponsored by my firm, Tories LLP, who are with us here today, and welcome and thank those fellows for being with us as well. Where are they? (laughs) That's true. Now, on to the main event. For 23 years, the Canadian Club has presented its Canadian, Canadians of the Year Award to distinguished Canadians who have really made a difference in our country over the past year and inspired us as a nation. There is no doubt that when we look around today, there are many things to pull us apart, whether it's economics, politics, anxiety of what the future may bring. But there are a few things that could actually bring us together the way sport can. And in particular, the way this Toronto Blue Jays team brought us together last year. When we think about this country, and we think of how vast it is, and we think about the diversity of interest, it is quite astonishing, with all of these reminders of our differences, how this team brought us together. People in Vancouver cheered. People in Montreal cheered. People even in my home province of Alberta cheered for this eastern team, the Toronto Blue Jays. It is something quite exceptional. And why do we celebrate sport as well? Because it represents something particularly human for all of us, which is an opportunity to celebrate successes and also an opportunity each and every year for renewal, a chance to pick yourself up and to start again in the hopes that you can attain success at the highest level. And there was no doubt that this team, the Toronto Blue Jays, was destined for greatness. It was the the team to win the World Series in the quickest time span from uh, from expansion and entering the league to a World Series winner. It has really been something that has continued to build over the course of its history and culminated, of course, in World Series victories and fantastic seasons, and, of course, the season we're celebrating here today, last season. And that hasn't happened by accident. This baseball team has benefited from strong leadership from its very inception in 1977, including with its first employee, Mr. Paul Beeston, who joined the Toronto Blue Jays and went from vice president of administration to increasingly very senior roles. In 1989, he was named President and Chief Executive Officer, and he was at the helm when the team won its two world championships, of course. He went on to be President and Chief Operating Officer of Major League Baseball in 1997. He returned to the Toronto Blue Jays in 2008 before retiring last year. A little later, Paul will be joined by Mark Shapiro and Kevin Pillard. And Mr. Shapiro, who took over from Paul Beeston last October, comes to Toronto from Cleveland, where he was the president of the Cleveland Indians baseball team, as we all know. And he enjoyed a long and successful career in Cleveland since 1992. He served as general manager for eight years before being appointed president in Cleveland in 2010. And welcome him here today. And we are thrilled, in particular, to have Kevin Pilar here today to tell us uh, and to join us in our conversation. And it is truly extraordinary what he has accomplished in the success for his team. And there is nothing more flattering than one of the greatest models that I have seen, which was really, you're a world wonder, when you can be uh, described as in the following phrase, which I love. The world is covered, two-thirds of the world is covered in water, and the other third is covered by Kevin Pilar." That's truly extraordinary <laughs> if people haven't seen that. I loved seeing that uh, that uh, that motto. And he made his Major League debut with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2013, and of course has not looked back since. He was named the DeWilson Defensive Player of the Year for his efforts in centre field, and he's the only American player to win this title in 2015, and my understanding as well that he had records, many records in college, including a hitting streak of 54 games, which was uh, an exceptional accomplishment and uh, a great uh, start to what, would be what has become a, uh, a fantastic professional career. We are also very flattered to host and have the, have the host of the Blue Jays telecasts and Sportsnet broadcaster, Jamie Campbell, here to moderate what is sure to be a great discussion. But before we get our conversation underway, I would invite Paul Beeston to join me on stage for just a moment. So as I said, for 23 years, the Canadian Club has made this award uh, on behalf of all Canadians for the Great Canadian of the Year. This year, like all years, we went through our rigorous process of examining Truly, who had an impact and the greatest impact on this on this country, and through that process we came out with one clear choice and one clear winner. That was the Toronto Blue Jays and the success it had last season. And it's on behalf of the Canadian club and really all of Canadians. Fall, I'd like to give you this award for what you have done, what this club has done for our country, and hopefully the greatest days are ahead for us and yourself. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good
1: Please. I'll just take a couple of minutes and I won't be long. Um, I want to thank you. I want to thank Canada. Um, we were Canada's team, um, but more important than that, you were our 11th man because we do have the DH in the American League. Uh, I don't think that I have to speak for anybody other than the players and our front office staff to know how important the support that we had throughout the country and throughout last season and it started when we went on the road. So, you know, a home game for us was whether it was at the Rogers Center or whether I like to get Rogers Center in there. <laughs> so you, you could take that back, please. Um, at the Rogers Center or whether we were in Seattle. It didn't make any difference whether we were in Detroit or at the Rogers Center. It didn't make any difference whether we were in Boston or the Rogers Center. We saw a sea of blue. And, you know, it was proud. We were proud to be Canadians. We are proud to wear the, the, have, the, have the maple leaf on our caps and on our mark. And we're proud to say that you were what the people we represented. And I accept this on behalf of the players, because ultimately, it's the 25 players. And if you want to have a love fest with with the Toronto Blue Jays, read Marcus Stroman's piece in the Players' Tribune that he penned last week. Because I think it reflects what it's all about. And I think it reflected what Someone like David Price said about the country. And I think it reflected about what Jose Batista thinks about the country. And I think what it, played, what it does with the players that come up through Vancouver and play there, because Marcus Stroman played in Vancouver. I think Kevin you played in Vancouver at some point in time. Um, Sanchez played in Vancouver. Osuna played in Vancouver. So it starts in the coast. They work their way back there. We stop in Montreal for a couple of games. We got the country covered. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for having us. It's an honour to be uh, here speaking to a club that's been in existence for well over 100 years and at this grand dame of a hotel, Um, and a pleasure to be joined by Kevin, Mark, and Paul. To echo the sentiments about this team and the impact it had on the country, a quick story, Kevin and I went to Fort McMurray this off-season, and after that trip was over, Chris Colabello and I went down to Edmonton to an Oilers game, And they told us, we're going to put you on the big screen at some point, probably middle of the first period. And around the middle of the first period, 15,000 people stood up and gave this huge ovation. It caught me by such surprise. I kept looking in the suites to see if Wayne Gretzky had made an appearance. (laughs) And the next thing I know, there's Chris Colabello on the big screen looking like this, (laughs) waving to 15,000 people who had all stood up to give him an applause. Uh, And that gives you an idea of the impact that this team has had on this country. So uh, let's begin the discussion Uh, with Mr. Beeston, um, based on something, Danny, that you said, that you were the first employee, and we hear it regularly, of the Toronto Blue Jays. Can you explain to us how that process came about and how you became that first employee, Paul?
1: Well, it's a long story, but uh, it goes back to Labatt, who was our sponsor today. Um, And um, I was a friend of Don McDougall, who was the uh, president of Labatt at the time. Um, They were purchasing a team so they could um, actually um, promote the Labatt Blue brand, Uh, in the city of Toronto and thought they had San Francisco. Uh, I was an accountant that used to go to games in Detroit, and uh, he thought that I could um, look after the finances for uh, the Blue Jays back in 1976. I started then. I honestly believe that I retired that day. Um, and I believe that, you know, every day was a Saturday. I've been fortunate to be in baseball, and it's been a been a terrific life. But I got lucky, is what it amounts to. And you know what? And we work for a great organization. And more importantly, I think that Mark is going to just take us to the next step. Because, you know, the one thing that Ted Rogers used to say, the best is yet to come, we didn't win last year. Like, you know, we, we had a great year, but can you imagine if we played another ten days? I mean, you know, it would have even been better. And so, Mark, don't screw it up. <laughs> That's us
2: way of saying welcome. And <laughs> hey Mark, let's find a little bit about your background. I read that when you were a young boy, sometimes Brooks Robinson and Jim Palmer and some of the great Orioles would come to your house and sit at the dining room table. Why is that the case?
3: Well, I, I, I started off just, a, my dad loved the game of baseball, and just a fan, and we had season tickets to the Oriole games, and I was the kid hanging over the rail trying to get you know, Kevin Pillar's autograph, and just playing baseball, you know, with my dad, catch stickball, ball, grounders in the street, everything you could possibly do, and just love of the game, and that's truly why I'm here today, why it's in my blood, it's part of the fabric of my childhood, and then my dad uh, was asked as a lawyer to help Brooks Robinson out of a bad deal, a bad sporting good deal, he signed his name to a sporting good deal and had to help him out of bankruptcy, and Brooks asked my dad to negotiate his last contract, you know, it was 1975 or 76, and... Um, my dad did it, and from there, you know, Brooks said, "Why don't you help out the rest of the Orioles?" Different era of agents, so he ended up having almost every player on the team. So those guys, Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken Jr., and you know, ended up being Kirby Puckett and a lot of Hall of Famers. You know, are guys that uh, establish, you know, reinforce the love of the game, but also establish the kind of the standards and expectations for what it means to be a professional, what it means to be a pro, uh, and what it means to have uh, you know standards of excellence as well.
2: So it's easier to get those autographs when they're actually walking in your front door.
3: (laughs) I think the first thing you learn, you stop asking for autographs. Yes. You know, what I wanted to do was pick their brain about, you know,
2: what it means to play the game at that level. Here's a man who gets hounded for autographs in in every province, it seems now, in this country, Kevin. Um, When you were coming out of high school in California, you played every sport, football, basketball, baseball. I assume that the high school didn't have a hockey team, but why... Why was baseball the one sport that you were best at?
4: Well, I don't know if it was the sport I was best at, but it was the sport that I was always uh, most attracted to. Um, Other sports you can do. uh, There's a lot of things you can do in football. You can go out and make a big hit or basketball. You can make a nice pass or play good defense. You can reward it. Baseball is one of those sports where, um, especially as a young kid, if, if you didn't get a hit, you feel like you failed that day and, uh, even at a young kid hitting 500, you, I, I still wanted to understand why I was failing half the time. There was always this attraction to want to get better, and it's so hard to be perfect in baseball. And that's kind of what led me to, to want to pursue baseball, that, that quest to find perfection. And uh, as crazy as it sounds, I'm still on that quest to try to find perfect, uh, perfection in a sport where um, it's never going to happen.
2: How has making this team, playing for this team in this country, changed your life?
4: Well, I didn't know much about Toronto uh, coming from, from California. I didn't know much about the Blue Jay history. Um, to be honest, uh, you know, in an ideal world, uh, I would have loved to stay closer to home when I got drafted. But where I got drafted, um, any team that gave me an opportunity was going to be my team. And um, growing up in, in Los Angeles, you, you have the Dodgers, you have the Angels, you have all these different sports franchises, um, Playing here in Toronto, you get that, that, that rare opportunity to play for an entire country. And as I've been here longer and I've been able to get out you know, on the road with you and Chris and, and do the winter tour, uh, you, you really, truly understand how special it is to, to play for a whole country. And uh, what we were able to accomplish last year and really uh, revive baseball in Canada again and uh, from coast to coast is something that I don't take lightly, and it's a huge honor.
2: Mark, you'd been with the Indians organization since 1991. What personal challenges have you faced going from an organization that you've known for so long to this organization? It's been seamless. (laughs) Um, I I think you know. Look, there's there's
3: times it's easy, like being around the game. You know, like that's just natural to me. Being at spring training, that was like just felt like I was immersed in the environment that um, is, is very comfortable for me. But part of moving, you know, not just cities, moving to a new country, what that means for two kids, 13 and 11, you know, a wife who has a career, you know, that was a little bit unsettling, but something we talked about very, you know, as a family cohesively and, and something that we embraced. That, you know, sometimes uh, with being a little bit uncomfortable, if you embrace that as an opportunity to learn and develop and grow, Uh, Great things happen, and so uh, I think we enter into it open-eyed that this is going to be new, this is going to be different uh, after 24 years in one place, but with that comes the opportunity to learn from people um, who have a lot of wisdom. It comes the opportunity to be exposed to a a, a myriad of cultures and uh, other baseball people that you can then, again, continue to learn and develop. So I think, again, if you approach life as a learner, uh, you're, you're open to learning from every single person you meet, Uh, then what an incredible city to immerse not just yourself in, but your family in, to learn and grow as a person.
2: Paul, what's the line of communication like between past president and current president?
3: I would say it's
1: about as open as you can expect. Um, You know, I try to stay out of uh, Mark's way and be respectful. Um, You know, the day that we um, uh, uh, passed the baton, uh, it was passed with the intention that, you know, he would take it further and run faster. Uh, but that I was available. And so I think from the perspective of uh, me going to him, I tried not to do that. He would come to me and we would sit down um, less frequently in the past than it is right now um, because, you know, we've developed a relationship and we want to work in this thing together. I think Mark is uh, one of those guys that understands that uh, it's unlimited what you can achieve if you don't care who gets the credit, you know, and so where is he going to pull all this information? And he's learning the city, he's learning the country, he's learning ownership. Um, he's, um,
3: life's a learning experience. I would say, I just, you know, add on to that, that, uh, you know, wisdom is really the generosity of benefiting from your, the things you've done well and the mistakes you've made. And there could not be a more generous person, you know, with his experiences than Paul. And I'd be foolish not to, you know, I'm in his office a lot more than he, than he just suggested because... You know, I want to learn about, not just about the Blue Jays, but about being a baseball executive, and he's got, you know, it's just such an incredible track record, and he is incredibly generous. And there's only one person who will ever be the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's Paul Beeston. So that, that the title may change.
4: Yeah.
3: But, yeah.
2: but that representation will never change. Have you noticed a difference working for a public owner versus a private owner? I, every single, look, you look
3: at all 30 major league teams, there's no identical ownership situations. You know, whether there's a managing general partner who represents 50 owners, which may be the most difficult and challenging, whether there's one individual like I had last time who represents a family. Uh, or whether there's a corporate owner, so you've got a lot of different stakeholders involved in the, in the process. So um, I think that's just you enter into it, you understand you know what the dynamic is. Your responsibility, not their responsibility, is for you to work within those operational parameters, and I think they're,
2: that's where they are, they're operational parameters that you, you deal with in every situation you're in. Kevin Pillar was a 32nd-round draft pick of the Blue Jays, which is another way of saying you have no shot. <laughs> at getting to the big leagues, uh, but he did. When you were chosen in the 32nd round, was it unexpected that you were drafted at all? Was it disappointing? Did you think you were going to go higher, or were you just happy
4: to be taken? It was a combination of the last two. I, I think uh, my college career was you know, worthy of being selected higher. I think that's I think the system has its flaws. I think me playing at Division two, you know, also hurt my case uh, when there's division ones and high school players, you know, around the country that, that are being selected. But to me, being drafted was just an opportunity. Um, you know, I told people that the biggest mistake a team could do is give me the opportunity, give me a jersey to play, and that was the attitude I took. If I had a jersey, I had an opportunity. If I had a field to play on, I had an opportunity, and I was not going to be outworked. Um, if I wasn't going to make it, it was going to be because I wasn't good enough, or I didn't. It wasn't going to be due to lack of hard work, or or character, or or will. And um, once I got out there, that was the mindset I took. You have opportunity. You have a jersey. Go out there and play and see what happens.
2: Mark, you're nodding your head. As a man who spent so much time in scouting, are there flaws when someone like Kevin, who's a starting center fielder? I mean, so late in the draft?
3: Think about the galaxy of guys playing, and there are going to be guys overlooked. I think, um, I mean, look, I think ultimately you want players and people who control the controllable. And, you know, I've I've said this my whole career we don't make decisions on players, the players make the decisions. And when they finally realize that, uh, so Kevin Pilar made the decision to not let a round label him, to not let, you know, a signing bonus or a pedigree label him. Um, And, you know, general managers, scouting directors didn't make decisions upon him on the way. He controlled everything he can possibly control. So to watch him and some of his teammates think about, you know, the level of intent that they approach their profession, because it's not a game, it's a profession, from what they eat to how they sleep to how they train to how they prepare to what kind of teammate he is. You want someone that you're proud to have represent, you know, your city, your province, your country, and your team. You know, it's it's a player that's a true pro like Kevin, and that's we have a team of those guys. Um, so part of what makes them special is the fact that someone overlooked him, not someone, 30 teams overlooked him for 31 rounds. And part of that, what makes him successful, is that there's a fire inside of him that won't be denied. Yeah. That's get it, Blue get it. <laughs>
2: It's early. Don't worry. <laughs> um, in recent years, Paul, we've seen um, the Montreal Expos move to Washington. We've almost seen the Minnesota Twins disappear. That was some time ago. We hear rumblings about Tampa Bay being on a short string. Perhaps Oakland. Was there any time? Was there any time in the existence of this franchise, the Blue Jays, where you thought? they weren't going to be around much longer
1: not when i was here i mean i did question it when i was in new york and the dollar went uh, where it went when it got into the 60 cents and whether or not they could actually afford it i think that we were um, kind of victims of the success that we had from the 84 season right through and then there was the player strike and there was the hockey lockout and People went a, a, a little bit negative towards professional athletes generally. Um, but, you know, at the same point in time, Toronto is a very, very good mm-hmm. baseball city. It has got a history of baseball. Um, it is not a game that was brought up here so that we could learn it. Um, it was a game up here so we could win and we could get behind it. And, and to me, I never really thought that Toronto at any point in time would lose the team. I always was worried about whether or not you know it could ever be what it should be, which is a large market club and the large market caucus and growing the game, but you know the Canadian dollar was doing what it was doing. But that's an excuse. Mm-hmm. You've got to work around it. You've got to work around what the Canadian dollar is. It is what it is. You can't change it. You know, and it might be good for tourism. It might be good for manufacturing. It might be bad for sports. But it's good for the country. It's good for the Toronto Blue Jays. And if everyone's making more money because of the dollar being low, better for it because they'll either, A, come to the game and watch the game. So it's an excuse. We'll be fine. Nobody cares. No, no, nobody cares. <laughs> you, know I mean?
2: you were saying about this team, Paul, four and five years ago, we'll be fine. And at some point, this team will get back to the postseason. And you were correct. What was it about the organization that made you believe so faithfully that eventually they'd get back to the postseason?
1: Well, I think when uh, you know when Alex was putting together the scouting, development, putting together the teams that you know that would you know uh, provide the players that we could either a bring to the major leagues like Kevin, like uh, Sanchez, like Osuna. You know the players that we developed, or alternatively, use those players to trade. That would bring you a price. That would bring you a Tulowitzki. That would bring that would bring you um, uh, a piece that you could actually um, that you could actually um, fill the fill the whole team out with. I actually believe it. I believe there was a commitment from ownership. I believe there was a commitment from the fans. I think we broke a trust in the fans because we've gone so long without winning. We told them every year we're going to be good, and then you know we didn't. But the one thing that I knew was when we made those trades in in um, 2013 that that brought in uh, Burley and Johnson and and Reyes and then brought in uh, R. A. Dickey, um, you know, I knew when they didn't work out immediately, we didn't get gun shy, you know, and mm-hmm. you know you have to admit when you made a mistake and you have to look at where you can where you can where you can improve on it. But the pieces were all there, and the pieces started, you know, long before we got to 2015. So I really, I really believed it, and I, be, and I, and I believe the fans would come back. I think we had to give them a reason. We had to give them a reason, and, you know, I think it showed last year. And uh, They were a very important part of this winning. I don't think you can just say that, you know, and be, and, and be superficial about it. I think it was very important, the way the fans did, because the, the players, you know, embraced the fans. The fans embraced the players and became one.
2: Mark, after the trades were made at the midseason last year, a lot of people blindly suggest that the cupboard of prospects is now bare. Is that actually true? No, I mean, I think
3: one of the things that Ross and I have seen is the farm systems in maybe much better shape than outside perception. Upper-level talent, listen, you don't trade that many players and not have some impact in your farm system, so... Uh, You know, in the upper levels, we probably are lacking some pitching depth that, you know, you'd like to have to get through a season. We tried to be creative this year in the way we constructed the roster around that to give us some support. But um, those are trades you have to do. When you have that window and you have that opportunity, you know, you're going to make some tough decisions. And, you know, there is a moment that now and the opportunity needs to be seized and circumstances and situations kind of dictate, you know, to what level. Uh, you go, but you, you ultimately have those players, like Paul said, for two reasons, either to build your major league team or to bring in players that, that add to your major league team and put you over
2: the top. Kevin, I'm wondering if you have been able to <clears throat> devise a way of breaking up a double play without being penalized for it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's laughs> last night.
4: Yeah, I did it last night. Last night I, I, I hurt my, Last night was a perfectly uh, executed one. I got, right? a, I got a little hurt my finger, though. Oh, is, that, is there a bandage me. there? You got to make yeah. sure you stay on the base, and that's what happens. They're not concerned about the base runner's safety. Do you anymore. have to think about it when you're running down the... That was the first time I did it. Um, to be honest, I felt very robotic. There was a lot of thoughts going through my head. Um, that play's always just been so instinctual. Um, you know, I play hard. I play a little bit reckless, but I do play clean. And, you know, that was always a play I look forward to because that's a big part of baseball. That's a, that's a uh, you know, a play where you can really change a game. You can, you know... Saving out, you can get a guy, advance a guy to second base on a, on, on a throwing error, um, and it's just become a little, little too robotic for a lot of us. And I expect the rule to change, it very similar to the catch rule that we saw a couple years back. But player safety is important.
2: That it is. I, uh, I played pickup hockey this morning, and the rental goalie was bending my ear about how the Blue Jays are three and five, and he's about to. Do something awful because the season's over. Would, would you, would you please, Kevin? Would you please talk some of these people off the ledge and reassure them I, I that mean, this is we, a really good team,
4: not to worry. Yeah, I mean, we. I, the, for for me, it's easy—the constant reminder of kind of our journey last year, shown on the board before the game. I think we were 12 and 20 in April last year. Um, I don't think we got to 500 to about May. Um, just gotta understand it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, we'll, we'll be back. We're gonna hit. We're gonna hit. We're getting yeah. great pitching right now. We're we're we're, we're playing good defense. Um, just stay with us. Have a little faith. We'll be back though. <laughs>
2: Mark, given all the hype, is it difficult to see games being lost this early? That
3: Uh, I mean, I'd say two things. One, if it's not difficult to lose, then that's bad. You're in the wrong business. And two, um, you know, you've got to, you want to be, when you're not in a situation where there's no expectations, you're in the wrong situation. So Mm -hmm. that being said, you know, baseball, I mean, you've got to understand the rhythm to it. And, you know, there is no place for panic. I mean, if you believe in the players and you believe in the track record, um, you know, I think if you look at those things, Be encouraged because we've gotten good pitching. And that was kind of the question. How good would our pitching be? Um, And I think there's no doubt these guys are going to hit. I mean, we have one of the best lineups in the big leagues. And so uh, I'm encouraged by the starting pitching that we've received, you know, over those games. And I'm confident that we will hit. And when we do, that we'll win a lot of games.
2: Paul, is there a moment now that you're No longer the president, but still very actively involved. I know you still have an office and a parking spot there. Is there a moment since... The parking spots spot's are the (laughs) additional.
1: That's the most valuable.
2: Uh, Is there a moment since 1977 that pleases you more than any that this team has gone through while you've been around?
1: Um, You know what, because it's so recent... I mean, you know, last year. I mean, you know, it all spiked. And, you know, to see everybody coalesce together, and, you know, it felt a lot different than 92 and 93. And it felt that, you know, we were doing something that was good for the country, you know, because we were bringing non-baseball fans together with baseball fans. We were bringing unemployed people together with employed people. It was a feeling that, you know, that, that that made us on the inside looking out, you know, appreciative of, you know, what the value of sport can be. Because the one thing right now that is the the cathedrals. I mean, whether it's here, whether it's the um, the, the arenas are across Canada, um, you know, it brings people of all kinds, and, and was able to do that last year. It's recent, but I mean, you know, the the years when the World Series opening opening day of you know, the '85, I and mean, you could have them all, but that's the most recent. And 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 I just like the way that you know that, that last year we came together as a as a country around one team that we took us some time to realize what was actually happening it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't obvious to begin with you know we were kind of the end of september before you know you realize you know they're watching across the country they're following across the country they're wearing the blue jay blue they're doing the things necessary so jamie i'd say that you know that was it was really nice it was really nice way to to go out to be quite frank with you it'd be better if we played a little bit longer kevin but you know this stuff
2: happens <laughs> yes Mark, we're being honored here today, or at least the organization is, by the Canadian Club, a, a club that's been around for well over 100 years. Have you, uh, has, it, has it occurred to you, or did it occur to you fairly quickly, that, that this baseball team doesn't just impact a city and that, in fact, yeah. it has a, a wider reach?
3: Well, I think a few things. One, part of the decision was that. For me that,
2: you know, hey, this is a
3: unique opportunity in all of Major League Baseball, all professional sport. This is the only team, you know, that represent professional team that represents a country. So um, that was just behind a decision, but still pretty abstract. Right. And then to see the way, you know, August and September and October unfolded there was on stage. And then to get here is to feel it is to feel it is to absolutely understand that it's an honor. It's a responsibility. Um, and you know you're you 're kind of driven to deliver on that, so um, yeah, I mean I think again it was it was something very important all along in my decision making process, but it moved from being an abstract you know you know kind of criteria to an absolute internal feeling of you wake up every day with a desire to fulfill on that
2: responsibility and on that honor Kevin, final question goes to you because you have a game to win, and we 've got to get you out of here um, <laughs> but what moment have you experienced that made you realize that as much as there's Toronto on the front of the Jersey, it's, it's a country you're playing for.
4: It it hasn't just been one moment. And like I said earlier, uh, given the opportunity to go on winter tour or do some appearances across Canada, you really understand uh, the impact that this team makes on all of Canada. Um, it could start when I was playing in Vancouver and how excited people were to, to have baseball back in Vancouver. Um, but obviously after what we were able to accomplish last year and uh, you know, really revive baseball uh, in Toronto and Canada and uh, the times I get to come to events like this or walk the streets and people tell me about the uh, the waiting list their kids now have to, to play at Little League is really special to me. It's, it's really humbling to, uh, to get kids involved in a sport that's so near and dear to my heart that, that I'm so passionate about and uh, to really have kids uh, get back into Little League here in Canada and, you know, have have some Canadian role models like a, a Don Pompey, uh, a Russell Martin, uh, a Michael Saunders, Joey Votto, guys that they can look up to and uh, understand that their dreams are possible, e- even coming from a country like Canada to play in the major leagues, is is really special to me.
2: All right. Uh, folks, as mentioned, Kevin has to go and defeat the Yankees, so we appreciate
4: uh, yeah, that's what I'm going for.
2: I mean it sincerely when I say thank you for allowing us to be part of this luncheon, and uh, if we could get a round of applause for Kevin, Mark, and Paul one more time. Absolutely. All
3: right.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jamie. Just a few uh, parting words, which is really, again, on behalf of the club, to thank Jamie. Obviously, his knowledge of the game is something that we feel assured. We're going to continue to be as informed about the Blue Jays as we all want to be. And, of course, when we think about what Paul has done with his track record of success and the framework that he has put together and the foundation for this great team, we are very assured that with Mark joining and his great experience, his perspective and the class that he has shown uh, today is a sign of great things to come. And then, of course, all of that coming together with the, with the true example of what this team is capable of in the likes of Kevin Pilar, it's truly uh, easy to see why the greatest days are ahead for this team. And when we think again about the beauty of this team and this award today, again, when we're constantly reminded of the things that pull us apart, we can see... This great team can bring us together and a constant reminder of that in this great country. And then secondly, to thank this team for something that Kevin put together, put, put, uh, put out there today, which is the, the growth of baseball in this country, that we are soon going to see this baseball game become as Canadian as hockey and as Canadian as a, as a maple dip and a double-double at Tim's. And Paul will explain that to you later on, Mark. So thank you again for joining us and thank you for the Blue Jays for what you've given us this past season. And I would like to take one brief moment again to thank our sponsor, Labatt, for their uh, support today and also to remind everyone that uh, this will be rebroadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. And I'd like to thank them and also thank MediaEvents.ca and VVC for webcasting today's event. Thank you again. Have a great afternoon. I know nothing will compare to the fun of this this lunch, being here with the Blue Jays, but all the best, and if you can get out to that game tonight, that may be the one thing that will top it with a great Blue Jays win. All the best. Good afternoon.